Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Yankee Nation's podcast, presented by uh, NYC Sports Station and Wagon Enterprises. I'm Austin Verhill, and along with Tim Laduca, today we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to be recapping the race series. We're going to be talking about the Baltimore series. Uh, we have some some uh, analysis on individual players, and we have some things from around the horn. So without further ado, how about it? You're listening to a New York Sports Nation production. Enhancing your New York sports experience. Hot town, summer in the city. Back of my neck, getting dirt and gritty. Bend down, isn't it a pity? Doesn't seem to be a shadow in the city. All around, people looking half dead, walking on the sidewalk, harder than a match here. But at night, it's a different world. Go out and find a girl. Come on, come on, and dance. So with the race series... It was a very good series because this series was very important considering whoever won the the series was would be in first place. Um, Tim, what what do you think about the importance of the series and co- coming in with kind of the mindset of having to win? Yeah, it was it was good because they recently played the Rays away in the uh, in Tropicana with the light situation, and they ended up right where they started that series. Uh, just a game and a half or a game behind the Rays. But this time they were able to take advantage of playing in front of their home crowd, some nice weather, and they <clears throat> they were able to get the job done. And it was good to see some different names uh, break through, like Gardner in game three had a good game for himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tanaka pitched well, even though that ended up in a loss. And uh, Hicks, Hicks didn't play too well, but it was good to see him back on the diamond. Yeah, and... Um- Let's take a game by game. So, game one, it was a 4-3 win. Uh, Urshela, here's the, Urshela, every podcast we kind of talk about him, saying mm-hmm. like, hey, he'll fall back down to earth. He's not your, your third baseman for the long run. But we have to take what we can get right now, and I will gladly take Urshela. I don't ever want to see it end. And it he, he went three for four. Uh, he, he singles in the winning run, and Urshela is playing out of his mind right now. Yeah, so I guess it's finally time to uh, accept Urshela. It's not like we were we wanted him to play poorly, but we were just trying to be realistic. And now, after nearly two full months of the season, we uh, I think we have our starting third baseman for the rest of the season, at least, uh, when Andujar is able to come back next year and be healthy. Uh, we'll see what the situation with Urshela is if he even decides to uh, stay with the team. But, yeah, I'm very happy with Urshela's play. He's He just gets hit after hit. He's, he doesn't hit for power, so we're not expecting that, so we're not disappointed that he's not hitting home runs. He's getting the job done in different ways, and also that defense is very special as well. He's always able to make some highlight plays, but uh, more importantly, he makes the fundamental plays. Uh, CC gives uh goes six innings gives up one run six hits in his longest outing of the year but what was really interesting about this and we started texting after we saw it i'm just watching the game i i'm just thinking it's a normal game and then yeah. he just starts yelling at at the the raise batter after he pitched to him he struck him out to end the inning and then john boy on twitter great follow tweeted the him walking back to the dugout and he he's saying i was definitely trying to hit his ass 
So, it, I don't know why. I, I still don't know why. But Mad CC is the best CC. And it always seems to happen against the Rays. Yeah, it's funny because he doesn't have as good of uh, overpowering stuff. So he's trying to kind of overcompensate for not being able to overpower hitters physically. Now he's just trying to overpower them mentally. And he does that two ways. One, he's just outsmarting them at the plate. He's really good with uh, just knowing his stuff now later in his career and pitching smartly. But also, he's getting in, in players' heads and getting fired up after a nice strikeout at the end of the inning. It's really refreshing to see the veteran on this team uh, having the most passion and uh, showing other people on his on his team and his teammates that you're allowed to have a lot of passion and wear your heart on your sleeve. And I think it's really helpful for this team to have CC playing with that much fire. Yeah, and honestly, the CC he's he's definitely he's definitely the veteran of the team. He gets fired yeah. up. He backs up every teammate, no matter if they were teammates for 15 seasons or. A half of a season, like I, I swear, CC will stick up for Gio Urshela just as much as Tyler Wade, just as much as Brett Gardner. Like it doesn't matter how long you've been his teammate, he sticks up for you, and, it, and it's awesome. Uh, but moving on to game two, this one hurt me <laughs> because yeah. it was a two-one loss in eleven innings. Tanaka pitched great. Um, he went six scoreless. He got hit on the foot. or the, No, hit on the ankle, calf. It was the leg area. He got hit by a comebacker. It ricocheted right to Voight. So we got the out, which was great. But he gets out the next inning. He, he had somewhere in the 80s, it was his pitch count. So I don't know if they took him out because of because he got hit. Because of his pitch count, maybe a combination of both. But it seems that he's slated to make his next start. So let's just hope it stays that way. Um, but other than that, he had a great day. Obviously, six scoreless. I said, three hits, six strikeouts. Sessa um, gets the loss. Sessa really hasn't been what he was in the beginning of the season or spring training. Um, and the notable for the Rays... I. Is Austin Meadows Babe Ruth? I don't know, but he's, he's right up the top with batting average. and uh, He's a little bigger guy, but I was watching MLB Network, and they had him in studio doing some hitting demonstrations, and the guy's got absolutely no like emotion. It was, he was really bland talking to the, talking to the uh, hosts of MLB Network. He's like, yeah, I just get in the cage and I hit off the tee, blah, blah, blah. And that's why I'm good at hitting. And I'm like, okay, dude, you're you're leading the MLB in average, and now you got these, you got a go ahead RBI and uh, I think he had the go ahead home run in the eleventh inning. Yeah, I think two. you're right. So he he's a big part. He came over in that Pittsburgh trade, and this is some of baseball's um, downfalls when their star players like this play for teams like Tampa. For one, there's not much market there for exposure, but also the guy's got no passion, so he's not really buying into his how good he is this year um but Meadows is he's he's playing well I don't think he's Babe Ruth we'll, we'll have to just <laughs> wait and see how that one plays out but uh they're lucky to have him and I'm worried to have to face Meadows the rest of the season and the rest of his career in Tampa Bay here's the thing uh looking back at that trade uh that's gotta be a terrible trade if you're the Pirates 
He literally. Oh yeah, definitely. Has he's had like two quality, two or three quality starts. In Archer. His, yeah, in his career with Pittsburgh, it's like been like fifteen starts, and he has like two quality, I believe. Like that's ridiculous, and I, I it's so strange to me because he was great with Tampa, and he gets traded. And they get back Meadows and Glasnow. Two of the reasons that they were in first place for so long in the AL East. So, the Pirates got finessed. Yeah, Uh, and the (laughs) Pirates are kind of like the Reds. I don't know what what they thought their timetable was for winning. Uh, They had a good um, staff, especially adding Archer when he was good. They have uh, a bunch of other pitchers as well who are really good, but... No one thought the Pirates were going to contend outside of Pittsburgh, I, th- I think. Yeah. And I'm surprised that they made that move because Meadows and Glasnow are two young players you want to build around instead of uh, having Archer on your team who who has been a disappointment so far. I think he just got back from the DL. Are the, the IL. The Pirates, the, the kings of the players being good when they go somewhere else? Because think about it. They had Morton left. <clears throat> He's good now. They had... Cole was good with them, but he's been outstanding with the Astros. Yeah. But, like, they, it, they, it seems that they can't catch a break when it comes to trades. It, it's a real... It's a real... And the comparison to the Reds was great. Because I don't know what they were thinking trying to contend this year. Yeah, there's been some questionable moves in Cincinnati and Pittsburgh... And unfortunately, some of it comes at the expense of the Yankees, because uh, now Glass now is a is a great young pitcher. He got good uh, got good powering fastball, and he's on the IL right now. He left with an injury against the Yankees a mm-hmm. few series ago, and then also Meadows, who is making his presence felt not only league wide but especially when they're playing the Yankees. So thanks Pittsburgh, you're you're really putting a damper <laughs> on the Yankees playoff run, but Yankees are in first place nonetheless. Cincinnati kind of helped us, though. I mean, they, they took Gray. They took Sonny Gray. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we got to take the positives out of that. Um, but as I said, Sessa got the loss. He hasn't been great um, since then. We had eight hits. Urshela had two. Hicks had two. Um, but th- that was that game. It was really heartbreaking because Urshela came... Like, maybe, like, 12 feet, if that, of getting, hitting a home run. And I believe it was either tying or or giving us the lead. And it just didn't happen. Um, and Kevin Kiermaier had this dick move where he, like, went like he was going to go jump. And then just didn't jump. So, it, it, was, it wasn't as close as he made it seem. And, and it gave me a mini heart attack. Yeah, that would have been very dramatic if uh, Urshela went deep again. I remember listening to when he went he went deep a few games ago against I think against Seattle. I was listening on the radio and I sounded like he was gonna walk it off with a home run, but uh, wasn't able to. So it's fun when Urshela is about to go deep. But again, <laughs> I mentioned that a little bit earlier. He's he's not a power guy, so it's something we shouldn't yeah. expect. We have all of our expectations just front loaded on him being a. Uh, a guy for hitting for average, and we'll, we'll take that, especially when our, our power headers are coming back, hopefully soon. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was a dick move by Kiermaier. 
Like, I really didn't like that. Um, but immediately after that, I was on Twitter, and someone just wrote, I hate John Sterling. So the only thing <laughs> I could think of is that he did the thing that he does kind of often, where he straight up makes it sound like it's gone. Like, it was hit into orbit. Like, there was no chance of it staying in the field. And yeah. it was caught in the outfield. That's the well, old... sometimes, sometimes you're going to make a mistake and think it's a home run. It happens to us all the time, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying... Because I just see a vague, I hate John Sterling. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm trying to think of a reason. Maybe it's just someone who really hates him and has it like on a timer where every four hours he just automatically <laughs> takes it out. Alright, so let's move on to game three. This was the the game of my dreams. I was at this game. Gardner was one triple shy from a cycle. Sanchez hit a triple. We win thirteen to five. That it was phenomenal. Because okay. So it starts off gross. Chad Green open. Yeah. Which didn't he open before and didn't do well? Like I, I just feel like opening isn't his thing. So let's not let's let's not give Chad Green the opening spot. Yeah, it's a tough position to put him in to because he just come, he's trying to figure out his game again after coming up from triple A exactly. or double A. He can't. So I don't know why you would put him in those situations, so just let him figure it out in the in the bullpen for now. Yeah. Um, then, uh, Nestor Cortez, Cortez comes in and gave up back-to-back jacks. Um, that didn't feel good. Uh, but then after the jacks, he did great. Like, he did really well. Um, he really locked it down after that. It, it, it was a close game. Like, this was a game that was, like, back and forth, back and forth. And then the sixth inning comes, and the Yankees go for a seven. Like, like that was, we just, and I was talking to my brother about this. He went with me. Almost none of them, like, there were a few, but very few of those runs came off of the home run. So we're producing these runs without having to go yard. And the majority of them came with bases loaded walks, it felt like. <laughs> so it was a very, it was a very fun game to go to. Um, and what were your thoughts about it, Tim? If you could have a bad thought about that game. Okay, if I could have a negative thought, it would be what I mentioned with Chad Green, and maybe the Yankees were trying to force the opener on their their staff with the op- the opener inventor in town, the Rays. So maybe they were trying to impress the Rays and say, <laughs> "Hey, look, we can do this too." We beat them with them but, last year. Yeah, uh, but Gardner had had multiple hits in one inning. I think he's done that now three times in his career, which is pretty impressive. And my favorite stat of the day is Gary Sanchez hits the third <laughs> triple for the Yankees. He's the first Yankee this season to hit a triple other than Brett Gardner, which is disappointing because that means Gardner is the most prominent one to hit a, a triple, so he was a triple away from a cycle. Yeah. The, I, was just, I was really rooting for it. Especially since, like, people are, like, really going after Brett. Like, I really wanted yeah. to see that. Um, that would have been great. Okay, I wanted to bring this up. I sent you a video of it when I was at the game. There was this girl 
sitting near me who had I it's it's terrible to bring up because it was a video or like an image and this is a podcast but um her nails were so long to where they were curling and she couldn't use she eliminated use of her fingertips so I we we noticed her after the seventh inning. So we were winning, and there was no question we won that game. We couldn't stop looking at her and looking at her fingernail because we were trying our hardest to watch the game. I really wanted to watch this game. <laughs> and it's still fingernail. She's using her knuckles to use her phone. And my, my aunt's the one who brought me. It was actually a, a gift for my birthday. My aunt's the one who brought me. And my aunt goes, how does she wipe her ass? <laughs> there, there's just so many questions I had. I, And they were like, they're done at a salon. My aunt told me this. My aunt works at a nail salon. She told uh-huh. me the only way for her nails to stay like that, not be like broken and fall off, is she has to get them done. So she did it yeah. on purpose. Yeah, I don't think you're even doing a service to what they look like. You're making it sound like they were, like, fashionably, like, not... They, they were gross. Good, but, <laughs> yeah, like, they were very long. They were, like, World Book of Records looking long. It wasn't like they were just really long nails that are manicured. They were... They were... Gross. Maintained by the, the nail salon just to make sure they don't fall off. They were long, and they were wrapping around, like, the drink she was holding. It was, it was nuts to see, even over Snapchat. It was one of the grossest things I've ever seen. So, I just wanted to bring that up because if I had to see it, I had to at least put the imagery in everyone's head. Yeah. Um, so let's let's go on to the Baltimore series. Um, we're gonna play a little game. We call it the crystal ball game. Um, we're we're gonna ask, what do you want to see? And and a bunch of, we're just gonna pre- make a few predictions. So so Tim, I have a question for you. What do you want to see this series? I just want to look into the crystal ball series and more. I want to see Aaron Hicks break out big, but I also I think I see him hitting a triple. He has a few uh, inside the park home runs last year, and I think he's going to prove everyone wrong about his weight with a triple this series. So I see that in the crystal ball. Okay, you just brought something up that I, I needed to rant on. <laughs> People were bringing up his weight. I, I think I texted you this. Yeah. Um, do you really think when someone's out with a back injury that they can maintain the same workout routine? People, no. I, what that it was one of the stupidest things I've ever <laughs> seen because it, it literally infuriated me. Aaron Hicks, I saw one tweet that said, "Huh, guy's slacking off after he got that guaranteed money, huh?" Dude. He was out with a back injury. Oh, little, that's literally, if you work out, that's literally involved in almost every single workout. Where even if it's not your targeted muscle, it's getting used. So I don't want to hear anything about that. I just want to get rid of that. Yeah, we'll see. If, he's, if he starts looking like Vlad Guerrero next month, then we can have a problem. But... He's he doesn't he's not that he doesn't look that big right now. He'll he'll slim down in the grind of the season. So yeah, I just I just want to see him hit a triple. 
all right. Let's go back to the game. Um, what do I want to see? I want to see the Yankees still be in first by the end of the series. That's what I want. I, I don't want the Yankees to lose first, especially when we're playing a team like the Orioles. I just want to stay in first place. What do you not want to see? All right, when I look in the crystal ball and I see something that makes me wince, it's going to be Chad Green struggling again. Uh, I it seems He's showing glimpses of figuring it out in his return. He uh, had three strikeouts in a scoreless ninth inning against Seattle a while back. But uh, he, he struggled in his next outing, gave up uh, one or two runs, and then obviously gave up a run in the uh, Sunday game against the Rays. So... Here's a good opportunity for him to come in, maybe get a couple saves if the Yankees keep the games close. Maybe get, like, one save if they're just giving someone rust. Uh, but I, I would see a good situation late in the game, uh, not an opening situation, not an extended uh, innings-eating situation. I want to see yeah. him really put to the test, and I want to see him do well. So I do not want to see him struggle again because I think he's the real dark horse, and he's a real important part of the – bullpen especially with Dylan Patanzas injured still yeah and a little, little I just I agree with that there's nothing else that I could really think of that's more important to me than that um so who do you have for your top performer uh I'm gonna ride the hot hand I think Urshela is gonna play stellar defense no errors I think he's gonna have at least two multi-hit games which uh, I think he's, he's he's been the best hitter for the Yankees right now, and he's going to keep doing that against Baltimore. Oh, and one thing we failed to bring up um, in the Sunday game, he got hit in the gonads. <laughs> we, I, we, me and my brother were watching the game. We had this angle where we didn't see what happened. Um, uh-huh. We were to his back, so we just saw him go down. My hand goes immediately to my face, and yeah. I think he just... I thought he got an oblique. I thought he hurt his oblique. I thought he swung and hurt himself. That's not what happened. He fouled the ball, and it went right to where you you don't want it to go. Um, just something to bring up, just to let you know. It seems like he's fine. He got taken out <laughs> of the game later, but we were up by how many... So it really it was more of a cautionary thing. Um, back to the game. My top performer of this series uh, will be Domingo Herman. Um, I like that one. He's been great. Like honest to God, he's he's been like he's got to be an all star. The way he's yeah. playing, that's it's nuts. He uh, my prediction is he goes scoreless through at least six. And then I, I'm going to say he's going to hit double-digit strikeouts. Uh, he's been really, really good. He's so much fun to watch. Because last year, he wasn't nearly as fun to watch. And I, I actually brought it up in, in spring training. If he could just get command of his stuff, he's he would be great. Uh, his problem was always either get into the strike zone... He would always put people on base, and then that would end up in a run. And it almost always happened in the first inning. He worked through that, and really, he looks like he could be a starter. That we don't have to worry about CC leaving next year because we'll have a starter to to put in that situation. Yeah, he's uh, 
He's eighth and earned on average in the majors with 2.5 ERA, and his whip is seventh in the majors, uh, sub one whip, 0.954. So uh, the stats are there to prove it, and he's pitching well, and it's good because he had some question marks coming into the year as well, and uh, he's able to handle the pressure of honestly being the ace of the staff, even with Tanaka having a good outing. Yeah, he really start really took it over, like. We needed someone to fill the role of Severino, and he's literally has. Like, he's putting up <laughs> Severino-type numbers, and I cannot wait for Severino to come back and be Severino with Domingo Herman in this lineup and, and this in this rotation and Paxton back and healthy. Like, that yeah. is beastly. And uh, some, I'll go ahead. And I was just going to say, one of the questions for the Yankees would be their rotation. And if they have a rotation of Luis Severino pitching the way he can pitch, James Paxton mm-hmm. pitching the way he can pitch, Domingo Herman continuing to do exactly what he's doing, and Tanaka being what he was in his last start, with CC or Hap at the five, that's a hell of a rotation. And that's a World Series type rotation. And... Something to pay attention to that I, I'm actually pretty surprised is that Herman has eight wins already this year. He's yeah. eight and one. I think he has the uh, most wins. So, he does. I, he leads the majors in wins. And seeing eight on a, on already in late May is really staggering. You know, he's yeah. more than on pace for 20 wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just hard to get wins these days in these in this format of pitching, starting pitching. Uh and I, it would be really fun to watch Herman get up to the 18, 19, 20 mark of wins this year. Something you don't see much often anymore. It's it's not, and it's a hell of a thing because, like, it, even though it happened way more often uh, while we, when we were growing up, it was still a hell of an achievement. Yeah. So, like, Mike Messina is going into the Hall of Fame had one twenty-one season. And, and then last year, Blake Snell had 21, and he led the majors. Yeah. If he won the Cy Young. So, yeah. it, oh, it's geez. a hell of a thing <laughs> to do. Cy Young watch for Herman. It's something to think about because, yeah. Like, the way, if he's pitching the way he is, and I, I'm sorry, I, I told, I, I don't think, I don't think this is like a G. Rochella where I feel like it's an admiration and this won't yeah. be this, a thing in the long run. It's not bringing in the football. I don't think it's a Nick Foles type of situation. I think this is Herman being Herman. I think he worked through what he had to work through. That was him growing as a player. And I think this is peak player Herman. And I think he can win a Cy Young. And something that's going to help him now is the advanced stats that they use, like uh, adjusted ERA. He... uh... He's at 178 for adjusted ERA, and every point above 100 is one one is like 100 is average is the average yeah. MLB pitcher, and so Herman is at a 178, which is an eighth in the majors for adjusted ERA or, or ERA plus. And when you when you're up in the uh, when you're a 101 win player, you're above average. So when you're 178, you're, you're way above average, yeah. and, and it's very impressive. So. That's another number to keep watch on. It's a good indicator of how he stacks up against the rest of the league, and he's right up there in the top 10. 
Uh, but right now, Zach Davies has an astounding 282. He's been pitching like crazy. Yeah, in Milwaukee. Yeah, he's... And then Hinjin Ryu has a 269, also a 31-inning scoreless streak. So I don't know if this is something that's plausible, but maybe he could contend with Oral Hershiser for the 52 innings, a scoreless inning streak that <laughs> Hershiser had in the mid-80s. So that'll be really fun to watch, too. It's You don't get to watch too many um, records be chased right now, and if Rio can put together, what, four or five more scoreless starts, then we could be seeing something really fun. But, yeah, that's the ERA Plus leaderboard, and Herman is firmly in the top ten. Yeah, and um, going back to the game, we have a few more predictions. Uh, what do you think the best – this is probably the hardest one. What do you think the best play will be uh, in yeah, the Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting you and I both put defensive plays. Yeah. It's, it's more – those are like as much – as fun as like home runs and big hits are, you, when you think of a good play in baseball, you're usually thinking of defense. So I think that Cameron Mabin is going to make a big diving catch with the bases loaded and then two outs to help salvage a to help keep a lead for the Yankees. It, I might similar. I think. Uh, yeah. I think Labor will have uh, a run saving uh, play at shortstop. That just seems like a thing that he would do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so what do you, what do you think the record for the series will be? Uh, I think they're going to go three and one in this four game set in Baltimore, but because I think Haps is going to struggle, he's still giving up home runs, and it's a home run friendly ballpark. So I don't want to get too ahead of myself with a four with a four game sweep of the Orioles, even though it's very plausible. And if you were to say that, I wouldn't think you were crazy, but. Uh, well, that's that's thing, what I see. With uh, good thing you don't think I'm crazy because that's exactly what I'm yeah. saying. Um, I just can't see us losing a game. I know no matter what team you play, it is almost it's like damn near impossible for yeah. to sweep four games. But I'm I'm gonna say they do it. They they've been playing hot. All right, they're in first place. They have a re- the only game that I see a possibility of us losing would be the one tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. Because they they played yesterday and they had to travel to Baltimore. That's the, that's the only thing. Uh, but other than that, I I don't see us us uh, losing. Uh, let, let's look into some players. Hicks came back. I already said uh, my feelings about people's over overweight um, comments. Um, but he has struggled, as you would expect, coming off of an injury that you sustained in spring, and now it's late May. So, um, he he hits one home run. He's four for eighteen. The home run came when I went, so maybe that's a sign that I should be in a little more games. Um, but he hit one home run. That's he had he had a two hit game. Uh, but he's four for eighteen, and he's really not playing too great. Yeah, and hopefully we're not, we don't get too far into this with the Andujar situation. I think that Hicks is fully back from his injury. It's different with Andujar, where you kind of where it, it got to a point where he figured, okay, he must still be injured. Yeah. Uh, but I'm willing to give Hicks a few more games to figure it out. Oh yeah, I'm up, not saying uh, up at the major level. Yeah. 
I'm not saying he's still feeling effects of the injury. I'm just saying it's more of a rust thing. Um, you know, it just hasn't played since spring training. Um, and those weren't full-fledged games. It was, it was spring training. So yeah. I'm just saying it's a, it's a rust thing where he's just going to need some time to adjust and get back to being Aaron Hicks. Yeah, and also he, what will help Hicks is he doesn't have a player comparable to Urshela knocking at, at his door behind him and outplaying him. It must have been really difficult for Andujar to come back into the lineup and immediately have to outperform a teammate, and so Hicks doesn't necessarily have that pressure, so he's going to be able to really ease himself back into the center field job. Yeah, no one's really clamoring for Mike Talkman right now. Um, no. Uh, but the... Um, what was I going to say? Uh, Michael K brought it up a few times during uh, Hicks at Bats, where statistically, last year he was the second best center fielder in terms of offense behind Mike Trout. And literally, what better could you ask for? Yeah, because you can't ask for him to be as good as Mike Trout. Exactly. Like, he was. I just saw this looking before the podcast. He he finished twenty second in the MVP voting, so he was getting some acknowledgement for his performance last year as well. Like Aaron Hicks is, I don't think people realize how lucky we are to have. Like he's a switch hitting, defensive god, who's the second yeah. best offensive player in his position. Well, right now you got Joey Gallo playing some center field too, which which no, kind of hurts. Yeah, okay, yeah, but but uh, come on, he's not a center fielder. Like that, there's no true. way that'll last. Like he's he threw someone out though. Well, yeah, because he's got the arm strength, but yeah, <laughs> I mean he's he's like a, putting on a catcher's mask shy from playing every position on the field. Like, yeah, and do they funny. know what they're doing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Tech, they can do whatever they want. With, uh, they know they're not contending, and uh, all they care about him is hitting home runs. So let him have some fun in center field. I guess. I mean, they're, they're literally not even staying in the same ballpark, which is weird to me because that's a beautiful ballpark. I don't understand why they, they needed a new one. Yeah, are they, are they going indoors? I don't know. Here's the only thing I do know is they're not tearing down that stadium because it's literally becoming the field for the XFL team in Texas. Oh, well, that will get torn down the year after that, because that is not last time. I, okay, I have some disagreements about that, but this is not, this is a baseball podcast. Um, so, moving on to Frazier. Frazier has not been playing too hot. Uh, since his return on May 6th, his batting average has dropped from a 324 to a 259. Um, 15 strikeouts, one RBI, zero home runs. Uh, it, it it brought up a question of should they send him down? My answer is simply no. Um, I'm not saying you have to start him every game. Yeah. But let him try to work it out. Um, I I really. It's either you could you could put Naben in for games, and. For some games, put Frazier for some games, let him work it out. Don't drop him out of the line. The worst thing they could possibly do would be to not send him down, but to not play him. 
that would be the worst thing yeah. they could possibly do. So, basically, I don't want them to send him down, but I wouldn't be pissed. If they just didn't play him in the MLB or the AAA, that would make me pissed. Yeah, uh, his home run call is downtown goes Frazier, but soon John Sterling's going to have to say, down goes Frazier to uh, AAA, because... You can get, you can let them tread water or or struggle to stay above water, and not drown up here at the majors. He's really struggling. He looks lost in his at bats. He's ext- expanding the strike zone, looking to swing at everything to be a hero. Uh, so he he can try to figure it out. But when Stanton and Judge start coming back, there's not, I don't really see room for him if he's going to play so poorly. And with uh, even with a low batting average for Gardner, he still shows glimpses of, of value. Uh, it, it might be back to the drawing board for Frazier to try to figure it out again, which is really depressing because he, sh- he showed how he was one of the Yankees' best hitters when he was playing well, uh, six home runs. But after that, in- that ankle injury, uh, he, he really he's really struggled in his return. So it's another case of the injuries really attacking Frazier's career, and it's something that I'm worried about because he may be one of those players we'd look back on and say, what if Frazier never got hurt? I God, I hope not because, um, we he was hitting three twenty four, so we know he can hit. We just need him. To, I honestly, you know, I'm actually convincing myself to send him down. Let him figure because yeah. we did that earlier this year, where they sent him down after spring training when he didn't have a great spring training. They sent him yep. down. They call him up and then he hits three twenty four. Exactly. So. Hopefully, he'll be back to that. And I do think he will be back to that. Um, but talking about it, we got hopefully some returns pretty soon. Um, Stanton is in a major league rehab assignment down in Tampa um, for the Tampa Tarpoons. What, by the way, they have a phenomenal hat. And their their uniforms are gorgeous. I love it. Um, yeah, I agree. But uh, he he is going to Tampa to rehab. Hopefully, he'll be back um, sooner rather than later. Because I really, I just want him back. I love him so much. Like he's, I just he has this this. Whenever I see him in, in that stance, that nice close stance, I just I feel like he's gonna go yard every time. Mm-hmm. So I I just the. Even if he doesn't play great to begin with, just the threat of Stanton, like, they're going to have to pitch around that. So, hopefully, we get him back sooner rather than later. Everything looks like it's going great as long as we don't have some setback. Um, Didi played in an extended spring training game. Um, I really... I've heard of experience spring training. I really have no idea what it means. Uh, it's just uh, it's free labor for the team because these players are playing in spring training, so it's like they're not they're still not getting paid. So it's even worse than the minor leagues; they're just playing for they're free, and so they're paid? working for free, and they're not getting paid. Yep. Oh my god, that's crazy! Yeah. How long does it go for? I don't know because it seems pretty extended if it's still going <laughs> yeah. in, in late May. 
How do they wait till summer? I that's what I was gonna say because it's be spring, right? Long. It won't be yeah. spring. <laughs> yeah. Um, but whatever. It's just looking uh, around. Corey Seager had the same surgery. Yeah, uh, plays the same position. Plays in the second biggest market in the country. Uh, he's played 46 games this year. Has an OPS of 692 uh, and four home runs uh, and five defensive runs saved. Which is uh, that's honestly the biggest question is yeah get like when it comes to Tommy John uh, in terms of position players, the question is more so how long until they can field correctly. Because they can, they pick up, they could swing the bat much more, much sooner than them throwing, and it's especially worrisome for uh, shortstops because they have to throw damn near across the whole diamond. <laughs> um, so seeing Corey Seager doing well, honestly, is a good. It's a good sign, and it gives you a little bit of hope. Yeah, the the offensive numbers aren't too good, but the 46 games, at, at least uh, back when the only 32 games had played, Seager had played in every game. I don't know if, 46, if the Dodgers have played 46 games or not, but it's good to see he's staying in the lineup as well, not needing too many days off. So if you're able to reflect that on... Didi, hopefully he's able to just come back full speed and full strength and not have need any days off. The, the sub-700 OPS is concerning, but he got the four home runs. And Seager and Didi aren't necessarily the same hitter anyways. But yeah, the five defensive runs saved is, is the biggest plus for me, uh, other than the fact that Seager's played 46 games this year. So still talking about injuries, um, obviously Duhar is done for the year. Um, really, I really thought that they probably should have done it at first because I was just getting these, we hear all this, all the chatter when he first got the injury and it was like, may require season ending surgery. And then he's saying he doesn't feel like he needs it. And then he comes back. He's, he's playing. He wasn't playing great. And then it it they just he got hurt and then they were like, okay, do the surgery. What makes this so much easier is the fact of how well Gio Urshela is playing. Yeah, because Gio Urshela is putting up numbers that are obviously I I still I hope he plays well for the whole year. I still doubt he's hit he hits three fifty for the year. So. Right, but right now he's putting up better offensive numbers than Andujar did last year, and he plays a much better third base. So, hopefully, it's it he continues to do that because if he does, it makes it so much easier to see Andujar out for the year. Yeah, I really have nothing to add to that. You're right. Uh, it's unfortunate he needs the surgery, but. Uh, that's the best thing for him, I guess. He wasn't going to produce at the major league level, as we saw in the couple games he played and struggled in. And uh, he can get right for next year and hopefully be back and be the Andujar of old and maybe have some time to figure out some more defense. 
Um, moving on to Paxton, uh, it seems he'll be eligible to return Friday, but it's unclear if he will. So that's dumb vague. <laughs> yeah. Um, literally what I'll take out of that is hopefully returns Friday. If not, it won't be long after that. That's yeah, how I'm going to take that. And maybe they'll take him off the uh, the the 10-day DL, just have him skip a start, so give him five extra days instead of an, a full 10 more on the on the IL. And uh, hopefully he's ready to go. But if he does come back Friday, he'll be pitching against the Royals. Yeah. Um, who aren't great. They're actually <laughs> the worst team in the American League, I believe, at the moment. Um, so... Hopefully he'll have an easier test. But here's the thing. I The Royals still kind of scare me in a weird way. Because we seem to give up a lot of stolen bases with the way our pitchers pitch. So that, that that's actually what bit us last series against them. It's the amount of stolen bases we gave up. But hopefully Paxton comes back and uh, just dominates like like he can. Um, right now, let's let's do what we like to call going around the horn, where we take a look at, around the league and focus on stories that aren't necessarily primary, primarily Yankees. Um, the big one that happened today was Joannis Cespedes was in his ranch in Florida. <laughs> Obviously, he's recovering from an injury, and he had a violent fall. Here's the thing. This, this is so strange to me. Because, like, if you're on the injured list and you always seem to be on the injured list, why? Okay, sometimes freak injuries can happen. We hurt ourselves and we don't play baseball. So, sometimes you can just get hurt. It can happen. But if they're saying a violent fall... That's what scares me. If fell I fell off his horse, that's like a question I'm having. Did he fall off of his horse? Like, yeah. is he doing something that he shouldn't have been doing since he's rehabbing from an injury? Not even rehabbing; he's trying trying to recover. So yeah, and and the thing is, like, sometimes I feel guilty about looking at players outside of the baseball field and saying, "Oh, you shouldn't be doing anything but playing baseball." Like, that's unrealistic. Yeah, obviously. But, in the players' contracts, there are certain things written in, like if you, you injure yourself skydiving. playing basketball, yeah. you can't go skydiving. Uh, Madison Bumgarner hurt himself on a on a, a dirt uh, bike. A dirt bike. So th- there's there's a difference between living your living in bubble wrap and just kind of being a little smarter. And you bring up the point about him being injured. So why would he be putting himself in any situation to get hurt? He probably has ridden his horse a, a thousand times. A hundred thousand times, and nothing bad happened. But it's an animal. Yeah. Uh, but this is this isn't me being a bad baseball fan. This is just the irrelevance of the of of Cespedes. Kind of forgot that Cespedes played for the Mets. Well, here's the thing: Cespedes is one of the most interesting cases in baseball yeah. because he was great. He went back to back home run derbies. He was just he raked, but it was always strange. Because he could never seem to stay on a team. He went from the A's, where, if I'm not wrong, did he win Rookie of the Year? 
if he, uh, I'm not sure. If he did, he was up there. He was phenomenal as a rookie and a, and a young player with the A's. Then he was it. Then he went to Detroit. No, then he went to the, the Red Sox. The Red Sox. Then he goes to Detroit. So he's with the Red Sox for a year. Goes to Detroit. Is there for a year. Gets traded to the Mets. He wasn't even the Mets' first choice. If you remember, they tried to trade for Carlos Gomez. And that trade fell through because I think Gomez failed a physical. That was when Wilmer Flores was crying. And then... <laughs> and then that trade never happened because Carlos Gomez failed a physical. Then, after that, they go for... for uh, Cespedes. It's his third team in as many years. But he helps lead them to the World Series. Like, he damn near carried them throughout that regular season. Dave DeMurphy carried them throughout the postseason. And then the Mets fans are clamoring to re-sign the guy because he was a free agent. I mean, they gave up Michael Fulmer, who won Rookie of the Year. So they gave up a lot. Yeah. Um, They re-signed him to a ridiculous contract. He plays... Has an opt-out. Opts out. And then they signed him to an even more ridiculous contract. The second one was the dumb one. Like, the second one, no one else anywhere near the league would give him that much money. And then he gets hurt. He doesn't play great. He gets hurt again. And now here we are. So, it's a real interesting case because... He was great and couldn't stay on a team. And then he finds a team and gets hurt. So it's... Yeah. It's really strange to think about Cespedes' career. When you... If you were to give me his blank uh, baseball reference page and just showed me his stats and the teams, I would think that he was a a good player who just kind of who like maybe got suspended for steroids and just left the league because he bounces from Oakland to Boston for less than a year, Detroit for less than a season, and now he's in the in New York, but he hasn't played since 2018. Uh, he's got good power numbers here and there, but sometimes it just falls right off the table. So he's got a really perplexing career so far. I really hope he figures it out, but because uh, he can put, he can put up. He put up 35 homers in 2015 between Detroit and the Mets. Uh, and he's an all-star. He finished second second in the Rookie of the Year in 2012 with okay. Oakland. He's got he's got a good arm in the outfield, too. Uh, it's just another one of those things that you, you're, you're looking back at injuries and thinking, what if? Uh, but the, I don't, going back to the horse thing, if he did fall off his horse. Which we have no uh, idea. Like, that's just full speculation. I hope, I hope not, because he had surgery on both of his heels. So, yeah, both of his heels. Like, the same thing Tolowitzki had. Yeah, so that, that doesn't seem like something you can power through and ride a horse with, because <laughs> getting off the horse probably is pretty tough. Getting on the horse too with surgery on your heels. So, uh, I wouldn't. I guess that kind of takes away the horse theory. But if it is, that makes it all the more crazy. Because you hear violent fall, and that's. When I hear violent fall, I don't think of someone standing on the floor and falling. Like, that sounds yeah. like you fell off of something. So, like, it, it makes me think he was high up doing something that he shouldn't have been doing, considering 
he's hurt. So yeah. I, I just... It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, what else doesn't make sense to me is the entire Mets organization right now. They are not playing well. They just got swept by the Marlins. But here's the strange thing. And the thing that confused me the entire year. Michael Kay reported this. And um, that the Mets, when they were trying to hire the new GM, one of the main questions was, um, how would you feel firing the manager a month into the season? Like, that was one of the questions, a part of the interview uh, <laughs> for the Mets general manager position. Which makes me think, and you know, it doesn't even make me think, it makes me know. They are just looking for a reason to fire Callaway. And it's just one of the strangest things to me because if you're looking for a reason to fire someone, there's your reason. Like, why would you wait for him to screw up your season before you fire him? Yeah, you're right. You could have brought Wagon in and said, hey, this isn't his guy. He wants to go out and get somebody else. And then you are you got a clean slate right at the beginning of the season. Yeah. So, uh, Tyler Boyce who is uh, the Mets Nation blogger for NYC Sports Nation, I DM'd them on Twitter because I was I had a few questions for from a Mets fan's perspective. Uh, I The first question I asked him was, are you at all surprised what's going on? Because in reality, I'm kind of not. Every year, they do the same thing. They start off great and then they're terrible. And something dysfunctional happens. It happens every year. Um, so I wrote, are you at all surprised at what's going on? He wrote, definitely surprised by the dysfunction and drop-off from the team. We have a talented roster that's not playing up to their real potential. Um, and I don't think you can blame everything on Callaway. Because... I'm honestly, I'm not going to blame the Cano thing on Callaway, which we'll get into in a little bit, because that's been Cano his entire career. Um, but they got three hitted, like they only had three hits against the Marlins in two games, and the and the they were swept by the Marlins, and it's the Marlins' first sweep since 2017, which is ridiculous. Um. Then I asked Tyler, uh, how long does Callaway have? Because I, I just, I can't even imagine, I can't even believe he made it this long since I'm looking for a reason to fire him. Uh, he wrote, I think Callaway has until the end of May or early June to turn the team around. Obviously, the plays uh, in Miami has caused hysteria and for good reason. He definitely needs to motivate a lifeless team right now to save his job. I, it's, it freaks me. Joe Girardi is available. Buck Showalter is available. Those are a hell of managers. Those are a pair of crazy good managers. And they're sitting right there without a job. So... I don't know if that's the type of direction that they want to go in, considering 
They're probably going to cost them a little bit if the Mets seem to hate money, hate spending money. And uh, they seem to be more of uh, old school type managers. I'm not sure if that's what they're going for, but those are two solid candidates that are, are waiting. Uh, and then I asked him, I asked him the question, why did they fire him before the season if they seem to not like him? Uh, obviously, he doesn't know. But he says, I think he need to get relieved of his position to begin the season because he had uh, the team playing well in September and it was his first year ever managing and the players seemed to like him. Uh, and then I asked him about the Cespedes injury and he had an interesting take on, on the Cespedes injury. Uh, he goes, uh, it was questionable if he was going to return this season anyway, which I, I didn't know that. Uh, but he goes, I doubt I will ever see him play in a Mets uniform again. <laughs> That's crazy. They gave him so much money. They basically signed him. Here's a, a, a point, an interesting point. They basically signed him to the contract that they did because Mets fans wanted Cespedes. I mean, they brought him. He brought him to the World Series. So they wanted him, they gave in, they signed him to an, a, ma a massive deal that no one else around the league would have gave him. Did they just do the same thing for DeGrom? Where they signed DeGrom to an extension when they didn't have to. Like, yet DeGrom, infinitely better baseball player than Cespedes yeah. is. Like, he was the best pitcher of baseball last year. He had a little bit of struggles this year, though. And... He had an injury this year. That's the thing. If you're giving so much money to a pitcher, it scares me. It scares me to pay pitchers when you don't have to. He had a few more years left in arbitration. They signed him to an extension. And he struggles a little bit in the beginning of the year and gets hurt. He's not in the same position yet. As Cespedes is, obviously. I mean, DeGrom's still good. Like, he's still really, really good. But it's just interesting to think. Did the Mets cave and sign him to a deal that wasn't smart because Mets fans were yelling at them too? Well, I guess it's... If the Mets are going to be dysfunctional, at least let it be the, the fans' fault <laughs> instead of having the fans be able to say, why did you make this decision? Because I guess it was their... Their choice. Yeah, I, I, I guess. I want to thank Tyler Boys for, for answering those questions. Hopefully we'll have him on uh, when we play the Mets. Um, I don't want to stay on the Mets long, but they've just been the biggest story with how the functional they've been. Cano had this play. We've seen Cano in his earlier career, when he was with the Yankees, where he was a little lackadaisical fronting the first. There was this one where he just didn't. Like, it wasn't like he was going slow and not running his hardest. He just didn't run at all. <laughs> there was, there's been a few this past week. The one I'm talking about, he hit like a chopper. And it went, it was like close to being foul, but it wasn't foul. I guess he thought it was going to be foul, so he didn't run. It ended up being fair. They doubled him up in like the 
the dumbest double up I've ever seen. Like they still might have doubled them up, but like run. Like like he didn't he didn't even jog, he didn't walk, he just stood in the box. It was it was weird. There was another one where this one was crazy. His explanation. He was wasn't running his heart out. Wasn't running his hardest the first. And he said the reason he wasn't running his hardest was because the scoreboard said there was uh, two outs. So he said the reason he didn't run his hardest was because it was it would be impossible to get doubled up because there was two outs. I guess he forgot cameras were invented because there's it's obvious. <laughs> There's video evidence that the scoreboard said there were one out. So he just didn't run. He gets doubled up at the inning. Uh, I'm not shocked by this. I mean, Cano always has seemed to be pretty lazy. So it's just when your team is struggling the way it is and your, your manager is getting questioned and you don't run, you're creating unnecessary negative attention. So, uh, moving on from that, the relief pitcher Koji Uehara retired from baseball. He had, he wasn't in the MLB. He was playing in um, Japan uh, with the, the Giants. Literally the only Japan team I know. Because it seems like <laughs> everyone who ever goes to Japan plays for the Giants. Um... But he, he, he was playing there. He wasn't on the first team for the Giants. Uh, he said that he determined last year that this year would be his final year. But he didn't finish off the year. He ended his uh, his career. His notable uh, play was in 2000 and... Damn, what year was it? 2013, where he was phenomenal. Like, really good uh, leading up to... The Red Sox World Series. Um, but uh, we haven't seen him in forever. Here's an interesting thought. Uh, I added Machado and Harper updates. Who were, were two players that Yankee fans were clamoring for in the offseason. And I want you to tell me what you would think. Like, what you think Yankee fans' reactions would be to their hitting lines. Machado is hitting 262 with an on-base percentage of uh, 340, and he's slugging 453. He does that after signing a 10-year, $300 million deal in New York. What is the fans' reaction? Yeah, he had a slow start in San Diego. He's starting to turn it around. Uh, but he's just like... Uh how fans are getting ready to treat Hicks. I think that they're the leash is short and they want to, they want to get angry quickly, even though they don't have the long-term vision to see there's uh 10 years. <laughs> I, they would, they would be upset, but uh, you see how Philadelphia is able to keep being placated by Harper. And they say Philadelphia fans are even tougher on their players than Yankee fans are. Sometimes. I don't believe that. I, I honestly uh, don't believe Philly is harder on their players. They're much harder on other players. 
Like, I think that's Philly's thing. Because I don't they, know. They throw, they throw garbage at, at their own team. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. Philly's Harper, an Harper's place. able to hit those big home runs. He hit that 466 oh, bomb to center field. Yeah, he hit a blast. So, uh, he's really embracing the fans well. Uh, I don't know if he'd be able to act the same with the fans in New York. I don't know how the fans would react to that, but well, you, he, saw what you they, just can't. You saw what they Go did ahead. with Stanton when, when yeah, he first yeah. came. And Harper's hitting two thirty five, Like, batting averages and everything, obviously. I mean, Harper's been hitting some bombs. Like, I think he has nine home runs. Um, but you see the way that some people still treat Gary. And he's playing much better than, than two thirty five. So yeah, Harper's Harper's OPS is 847, which is not great. 900 is where you'd, you'd want Harper to be. So he's, he's getting there, uh, but his his OPS isn't isn't too terrible. So it means he's getting walked. Uh, yeah, and the home runs help too. So I wouldn't be too worried about Harper or Machado. I'm not I'm not saying that you should be. Uh, I think that this this these will they will both improve and be themselves by the end of the year. I'm just saying, you look at the, the like how much they they were yelling at the fact that that uh, at Stanton and how mad people are at Gary, and you even saw when and Duhar went down with an injury. Yeah. See, we should have signed Machado, and I guarantee you, if they were hitting the way they are right now, but in New York, the fans would be going on a frenzy. We'd be here defending them. <laughs> like yeah. we seem to always have to do. But I, I swear fans would be going crazy. Um that is it for around the horn. I understand that we have class time with Tim. So now it is time for class time with Tim Laduca. Yeah, so sometimes it's good to do some reading in class, you know, to have some time to just uh, read a book. And we were looking through some old family documents, and back in the 1900s, the newspaper, at least the early 1900s and prior to that, newspapers were very descriptive, and they wouldn't just tell, like, important stories from the town or the city you lived in. They would tell literally everything that happened, like if someone bought a new car or if someone bought a refrigerator or different technology, they would cover that family's story in the newspaper. So on August 21st in 1913, my family had a party at a picnic grove, so like a party, and the baseball game was covered as such. This is what the newspaper wrote in 1913. The time between the two feasts was spent at various amusements and games. The greatest attraction during the afternoon was the ball game played between the married and single men of the party. After some search for a diamond was found at the heart of Chestnut Street, uh, a fierce contest was waged. Uh, The umpiring caused several riots. Three people (laughs) arbitrated at the set of the fray, but their decisions were so outrageous they had to retire to escape personal injury. Three different people then took up the duty and burden of umpiring and immediately proved they knew less about umpiring <laughs> than they do about flying an airship. The attorney's size, so the guy's weight and, and height, was the only thing 
that saved him from being mobbed, while the assistant cashier resorted to the sub-frags of reversing his decisions whenever he got into real danger. So, my family members had a picnic and a party in 1913, and the uh, they were so competitive, and the team split up between the married and single men, that the umpires had to leave, and then the new umpires were so terrible that they were being attacked as well. Uh, it's... <laughs> The way it made it seem like it was the Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> like, I. Part of me, not all of me, obviously not all of me, wishes I lived in that time. Because yeah, me that, too. That's First of all, like, the diseases were popping. <laughs> like, they were crazy. So, that's a reason I wouldn't want to live back then. But, like, the way. Like, those were words that were written. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Like, that, yeah, I know. That is so nuts. And, like, the newspaper just covered stories like that back then, so. I love every second of that. And we, unfortunately, my family hasn't been here nearly that long. My grandpa is the one who, like, my, my grandpa is the one who immigrated here from Italy. So, we're wow. not talking way back then. So, uh... I don't have any interesting <laughs> stories from back then. Maybe my grandpa's name is in Ellis Island. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been there. I don't really have any plans to ever go there. But maybe that's the most interesting thing about that. That was sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was great. Um, there's really no better way to end it. So let's just end it on that. Yeah. Um, we have a series against Baltimore. Let's sweep them and go Yankees. Go Yankees. Elevator gone up in the gleaming corridor of the 51st floor. The money can be made if you really want some more. Executive decision, a clinical precision. Jumping from the windows filled with indecision. I can't do the fight from the